HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Aí, eu com a idade de... Vamos iniciar as palavras, né? Com, na, na faixa de, de 19 anos, mais ou menos, eu comecei a trabalhar no laticínio. Okay. Lá agora começou com o laticínio na Santa Marta. Na Santa Marta, nós ficamos dois anos. Depois, CCPL, ficamos mais dois anos. Daí, a cooperativa aqui de Pedra Azul, eles juntaram uma junta de uns pessoais aí, sabe? E fez uma cooperativa. Essa cooperativa era durou no máximo 11 anos. 11 anos eu estava incluído, funcionário incluído nessa cooperativa, e eu também estava junto com eles, né? Mudava de diretor, a gente sempre ficava, né? Hum. E aí por diante. E logo em seguida, eu peguei... Dei de sair por livre espontânea vontade minha mesmo, né? Foi na época que esse homem me chamou para ir para a Bahia, né? Hum. Aí eu tomei minha decisão e fui para a Bahia, né? At the age of 19, I started working at a dairy. I started at Santa Marta. I worked there for two years. Then I worked at CCPL for over two years. And then I started at the cooperative here in Pedra Azul, a small town in the northeastern part of Minas Gerais, Brazil. They got a bunch of people there, you know, and they built this cooperative. Uh, the cooperative lasted for about 11 years. 11 years and I was there. The employees included in this cooperative and I were all with them. They would change directors, but myself and the rest of the staff would always stay. Soon after, I quit the job. Willingly, right? And it was at that time that this man asked me to work in Bahia, a neighbor state, you know. Then I made my decision and went to Bahia, right? Hello, everyone. I am Carlos Jescas, and you just heard from Senor Tiao and John Braga. Mr. Santiago Pereira Silva, or better known as Senor Tiao, is a cheesemaker in Pedra Azul. I had the opportunity to visit him in his small cheesemaking facility in Brazil this past May. 
I have asked John Braga to join me today to talk about Brazil and everything that is happening there in the cheese industry, and also help bring the voice of Senor Tiao to you. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you for inviting me, Carlos. It's an honor to be here to talk about Brazilian cheese and to represent Brazilian cheesemongers. Of course, I'm very happy to have you here. Now we will hear one more excerpt from the interview with Senor Tiao in Portuguese and then hear John's translation. After the break, John will share about his most recent trip to judge the Mundial do Queijo in Sao Paulo. So, so my friend, we're in the cabacinha here, the formezão fazendo aí. Tá bem vendado os formezãozinhos pequenos, os cabacinha também. Praticamente o laticínio aqui é laticínio Pedro Azul, sabe? Uhum. E o pessoal procura muito queijo lá daqui, procura manteiga. Hoje não está tendo pouquinha manteiga, porque não está tendo leite para desnatar para ter o creme, né? O pessoal adora manteiga daqui, porque eu não é, não é para falar, não, porque eu trabalho na, Santa, na cooperativa, de, cooperativa mista de Pedra Azul. Lá eu beneficiava, eu mesmo beneficiava a manteiga. Hum. O pessoal adorava manteiga. E de lá eu coloquei na cabeça como é que é a manteiga, né? Aí eu tô com isso até hoje. O pessoal sempre adora a manteiga daqui. Na cidade tem manteiga, mas em perfeita qualidade, não tem como, né? Hum. Nada aqui para mim é o que a gente faz. Não é me elogiar, não, mas a que a gente faz, eu acho que tá bem feita, né? O pessoal adora, gosta, né? Aí o cara da manteiga, se eu te amo, vai lá na, na fábrica, vem aqui, ou vai na loja, que lá na loja também vende, sabe? Hum. O queijo daqui que nós fazemos. A lojinha dele, materiais de construção, é, pequenas coisas, mas lá vende também as coisinhas daqui. Bota lá para vender. Pois é, você... We're still making cabacinhas and parmesan cheese over here. Smaller versions of parmesan sell well. Smaller cabacinhas too. The dairy is pedra azul, you know? And people ask for grated cheese a lot here. And butter. Today, we produce very little butter because we don't have the milk to skim to get the cream, right? People love butter here because at the cooperative, I used to make, I used to make the butter myself. People love the butter I made here. And there is where I learn uh, what real butter tastes like, right? So I have made butter myself to this day. People here always love the butter I make. There is butter in town, but in uh, perfect quality, there is no way, right? What we do here, for me, what we do, I think is done right. People love it. They like it, right? Oh, I want seu Chiang's butter, they say. They come to the dairy, come here, or go to the building supply store, because the store also sells butter, you know. The cheese we make, this little building supply uh, store sells small things, but they also sell our cheeses there. Mr. Pereira makes a traditional cheese of the region called Calacinas, which is a pulled curd cheese made with raw milk. He also makes hard cheeses known as parmesan and butter. He is the only cheesemaker in this facility and has been working for 19 years. He's 65, and you can see a picture of him in the notes of this show. But he's not ready to retire. His employer owns the cheese production facility and has the mill contract, and also owns a building supply store. Senor Tiao, like many other cheesemakers in this region, is Afro-Brazilian. However, the people who own most of the land, cattle, and facilities are white. While I was in Pedra Azul, I visited another producer of the same cheese style. You can see pictures on my Instagram at Carlos Jescas or on TikTok at Cheese Jescas. I was able to visit this 
these two producers, thanks to Ataliva Mendes de Oliveira. Ataliva is also a cheesemaker in Petra Sul, and he is working to create a denomination of origin for this cheese. There's a lot to report from the cheese industry evolution in Brazil, and this is why I wanted to bring John Braga to talk to us today. He will share his experience after the break. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conte within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conte. Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. Welcome back. Now I have with me John Braga, also known as Okjuista on social media. John is a ACS certified cheese professional, cheesemonger and marketing manager and retail ops at the French Cheese Board in Soho, New York. John grew up in a cheesemaking family in northern Minas Gerais, Brazil, and worked at Moritz Cheese as a cheesemonger from 2016 to 2021. He's a columnist for two Brazilian magazines, Revista do Queijo a Professor Queijeria, and was recently invited to work as a judge for the Mundial do Queijo in Brazil. John, let me start thanking you for the translation and voicing Senor Tiao. Now, let me ask you about you and your work. Could you please share how you got from Brazil to New York? Sure. Um, so like many immigrants, I moved to the U.S. looking for new opportunities. Um, I grew up in a very humble cheese-making family. I didn't have the opportunity to travel much or to learn English growing up. Uh, so moving here meant exploring a new world and improving, you know, the little English I had learned at school. So that's how it all um, sort of like started. That's interesting. So your immigrant is just a, a other immigrant story. You arrive in the U.S. with bright eyes and you want a job, but you end up being a cheesemonger. How did this happen? <laughs> Well, it just happened. So I was actually a teacher for almost 10 years in Brazil. Didn't really know what cheese mon what a cheesemonger was uh, back then. Uh, and it wasn't until I stopped by Murray's Cheese at Grand Central one day uh, that I got introduced to the term. I remember they were like sampling Prairie Breeze that day. 
And um, when I tasted it, I had what I like to call an epiphany, right? Uh, in Brazil, we say that I got abducted, sort of like, you know, by the cheese uh, world. So that's when I realized that I wanted to do exactly what that person behind the counter was doing. That's amazing. Uh, we all have that story. We have heard it from many people. Um, and so it's, it's really fun that you you fall in love with an American cheese as well. And that led you to uh, being a cheesemonger. How was it working for Maurice? It was pretty incredible. I mean, I learned so much from Maurice. Um, I mean, I had so many, you know, so many opportunities were given to me. And I took advantage of all of them pretty much. Uh, I remember one of my managers, Jake, he was so supportive. Um, I mean, when I started at Murray's, I, my English was just so, um, you know, it wasn't what it is today. Definitely not. It was like I lacked, you know, like I didn't know a lot of words and a lot of terms and a lot of expressions. And so I remember, remember Jake pulling me and being like, John, there's this really good position in the company that you should apply for. Um And I would love to sit down with you and show you how the interview process is going to be and like talk to you about the interview process. So he really grabbed me by the hand and, and taught me how to, you know, how, how I could, you know, go through this interview and, 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 and talk about myself and, you know, really like sell myself and, and, and show what I, you know, could give to the company. Um, so I feel like that's incredible. I mean, when you give someone an opportunity Um, it makes a huge difference. Sometimes that's all we need, like as immigrants, um, as, you know, minorities, like sometimes all we need is an opportunity. And, you know, that was just incredible. So I'm very grateful to, to, to Maurice for all of that, for all the knowledge, knowledge, uh, knowledge, uh, shared. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was an incredible experience. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you find a mentor and someone that is supportive uh, and, and was supportive. And I hope that you're still in contact with this person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see him uh, here and there, like at, at like CMI or, you know, like mostly, yeah. Last time I saw him was like last year at CMI. Um, but yeah, I hope he's doing great right now because I haven't talked to him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's so interesting too that, you know, Kara Warren, the main host of this show and Jessica and myself also have worked at Murray. So Murray is a, is a big uh, place where a lot of cheesemongers in New York have worked and then we're propelled to uh, many great things in, in, um, in the industry. Mm -hmm. This is a good segue to ask you, What else are you doing in your York? You're not just doing, and I just read your your um, your bio there. You're doing a lot of other things. Are you still selling the counter at the French cheese board, or what is your position there? Sort of. So everything at French cheese board is is ready to go. So it's we yeah we cut wrap and you know leave everything uh, on the shelves, sort of kind of like ready to go. Everything is you know cut the day or the day prior, so it's all fresh. Um, but because we're a small staff, we have to cut everything, uh, pre-cut everything and leave everything on the shelves. Um, so right now, in addition to working as a cheesemonger, I also manage the shop, uh, create content and run all of our social media accounts. I teach classes. I build partnerships with local businesses to help coordinate events and promote French cheeses in the U.S. Um, I also write for two magazines in Brazil, and I um, I was just recently a judge at this huge competition, which is Brazil's version of uh, Le Mondial de Fromage. Um, it is organized by the same organizers, uh, the Guild de Fromager, 
Uh, and it was just an absolutely incredible event. Um, I was also able to uh, do a, a guided tasting with four American cheeses in Brazil, uh, which was also incredible, like being able to like represent American cheesemakers in Brazil and um, sort of educate, you know, like Brazilians on American artisan cheese. So that was also incredible. So, yeah, I've been doing a lot uh, of incredible things at the moment. <laughs> sounds all amazing. Let's just stay, um, first of all, with the French uh, cheese board, because I think it's really interesting what you were doing there. Because um, you said that you're not only a cheesemonger, but you are also do, uh, doing content creation. And, you know, so much of this content creation uh, that, you, that you're putting out and people can go and look uh, on Instagram um, there. How does that have a different voice from your own social media because you know you you also run mm -hmm. your own social media and it has complete different ways and so i i think that many of the cheesemakers out there that are uh always wanting to you know put more content also want to hear you know what is mm -hmm. how is that a professional is doing it uh so with french cheese board i'm speaking directly with the consumer um and i'm educating them on french cheeses and the, you know french culture in general because we talk about literally everything uh, French cheese, right? Uh, with Occasionista, uh, the approach is completely different. Uh, I'm With that account, I am um, trying to reach Portuguese speakers, not only Brazilians, but everyone who speaks Portuguese. Um, and I'm trying to educate them on cheese, like cheeses in general, like world cheese, right? Like American cheeses, European cheeses, um, Brazilian cheeses, uh, Mexican cheeses. Um, I don't know that much about Mexican cheeses. I always need help from you or Georgina or <laughs> Jess, but like, uh, or Pamela. Um, but I try to educate Brazilians on, uh, what I've been tasting, right? Like whatever I experienced, whatever I learned here, I try to post, uh, like create content, like create, you know, like photograph the cheese and talk a little bit about that cheese and talk a little bit about the history behind that cheese. Uh, it's almost like a cheese mongering, um, job right like is you're also like sort of telling stories and 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 getting people excited about cheese and and getting them passionate about cheese uh but without actually selling anything Occasionista doesn't have it's almost like a non-profit right so I don't really intend to sell anything there I just want to keep educating folks and getting them excited about cheese in general like as as a matter of fact like in the it, you know throughout like doing the the Mundial do Queijo I heard from so many cheesemongers in Brazil that um, they were so excited about my page and 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 they were like, I'm a huge fan of yours. Like, I love what you do. Thank you for posting about all these interesting cheeses. You made it, you make, you make, you make them look so uh, um, um, delicious and the stories are so incredible. And I, you know, I have a background in, in, in linguistics and literature. So I, I, I make everything very like sound very poetical right so they love that they get inspired they, they feel like they, they want to travel to other countries and visit cheesemakers and and i heard that from so many cheesemongers that i didn't even know about i didn't even know that they were following me right and that was exciting right to, to just hear that people are getting inspired by what i write and what i photograph uh sometimes i i second guess myself like you know i'm like what am i what am i doing this like i'm not making any money out of this um sometimes you post stuff on social media for free 
like this is all free work like right like you're like photographing cheese and taking the time to write about them and all of that and somebody comes in and makes a, a negative comment like posts something negative about it um and you're like what am i why am i doing this i'm not even <laughs> making money out of this i'm just getting upset with this um but then you go to events like mundial do queijo and you hear all this this incredible you know things from from cheesemongers from other cheesemongers and consumers who are who are getting inspired by you and it all makes it worth it right like you it was so good to hear that i felt like okay my job is getting done here it's not you know like it's not all it doesn't always have to be about money sometimes you can do <laughs> things to inspire people and get them get them passionate about cheese too That's amazing. I I I follow you. I I think I I try to comment a lot. I I think your account is is one of the better ones that I are there. And I'm so grateful that this has changed because for the from the people that follow me, uh, people know that I post in English, although my first language is Spanish. But because mm -hmm. I grew up in a, or you know I came of age in cheese in a very different time, I felt like I needed to be speaking in English. And now, and you know, other people of my generation have, be, have had to do that. But but I think your generation, which I think is you know the, the generation behind, uh, not behind but after us, is uh, is doing so many interesting in your own languages. And I think I'm very happy that you are creating content in Portuguese. And you know, someone like Henry Pinto in Peru is generating content in Spanish and you know uh, Pamela as uh, Pamela as you said is is generating uh, bilingual content and now that she's in 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 um in France and I'm very happy that this is opening up and don't get discouraged social media is a terrible place but it, <laughs> the reward is actually pretty good um so talking about Portuguese uh why don't you tell us about uh you know these two publications that you write for uh, in Brazil, what are they and what are you writing on right now? Sure. So I'm a columnist for, for both Profissão Quejeira, um, which is a French magazine that gets translated into Portuguese, um, and Revista do Queijo, which translates to um, cheese magazine, basically. Uh, for Profissão Quejeira, I write about what is happening in the cheese industry in Brazil from an outsider's perspective. Right. Uh, so like whenever I visit Brazil, I visit cheesemakers and I, I write about those things. And like, how do I as in, you know, as in now an American. Right. Uh, how I see that, like how do how I see what's happening in Brazil. So that's what I write for, for usually write for Brasão uh, Quejeira. For Revista do Queijo, on the other hand, I usually write about what is happening in the United States. Um, so. I write about I write about CMI. I write about ACS, like all these great things that are happening in the U.S. that Brazilians could learn from. Um, I write about just to get them excited and and maybe you know give them some ideas of things that they could do um, there. I mean, they're also having great ideas in Brazil, uh, but I think that anything that I can send to them, right, like any inspiration they can get from, is good um these are two completely different magazines i feel like one is more technical and the other one is more for the consumer and in a way i think that one magazine complements the other um brazil is so big right carlos and there's so many producers and so many consumers um i feel like two magazines are not enough sometimes uh, <laughs> we don't have enough books in in portuguese i mean your book your incredible book is not translated in, into portuguese yet 
Like how, you know, there's so many great books <laughs> that we still don't have in Portuguese. Um, and so we need those magazines. We need those publications, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think that this is um, also so important because one of the things that you said when when you were explaining that you do what you do on social media is that you are also trying to reach audiences that speak Portuguese that are not necessarily in Brazil or Brazilian. And so I I always find this that, you know, the the cheese makers, cheese mongers in Portugal are actually not that connected to the world. You know, the, in other in other regions um in Cape Verde that, you know, there's no There's no information from those places, and I think that you know this is uh, hopefully something that is changing. So, are you doing something specific to target, uh, I guess, those those audiences as well, or it just happens that you know people are either interested in Portuguese as a language or cheese from a Portuguese background, and they end up in your back in your page? I think that because. It's a, it's a very uh, interesting question because very great question um, actually because people often ask me about my like who am I you know who my my target audience is right like they always ask me that uh, first of all with social media these days most people ask the app not to track them so you don't really know who who is following you like you don't know what countries are following you uh, for sure because. You're you are you know literally asking the app not to track you, so the app can cannot know, or will not let other people know where you are, where you live. Um, that said, you, you, I don't really know who follows me. Like I have the the metrics, I have the numbers, I have the insights and everything else, but I don't really know what countries are following me the most. Um, I write everything in Portuguese because it just flows. Like when I write in Portuguese, it's like. It's just so much easier because I went to, to school for that. So it's just easier to write in Portuguese. But because you can translate everything I write on the app itself, you just there's a, a button that you can just click and translate everything automatically. Uh, everyone can read it. Like the other day I wrote about, I think, Stocking Hall or I wrote about I wrote about Mundial do, do, do Queijo, actually. And one, an American uh, creamery read it And they commented on it, um, which was incredible. I mean, they took the time to translate and actually read the post. I thought that that was incredible. So I feel like I'm reaching a lot more people than I think I am. Um, even the ones who don't follow me. Like, I think that people are still like, we still read everything. Even if we don't follow the person, we still go and check and read and interact with that uh, and engage with that post sometimes. Um, So I don't really know. It's it's a very like I don't I, I try to focus. I try to talk to Brazilians because that's where I, I grew up. But I don't try to focus on anyone. Like everyone, just yeah, anyone that can find. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you were in Brazil, you know, judging uh, the the Mundial Education, and we're going to get to that. But you also said mm -hmm. that you were doing tastings with American cheese. Why don't you tell us about that and what cheeses you chose? Um, yeah, mm -hmm. Tell us about that. That was an incredible experience, I got to tell you. I was just so happy to, to be able to do that. So uh, Deborah Pereira, who is one of the organizers of Mundial do Queijo, invited me to do um, a, a guided tasting using um, Amer American artisan cheeses only. Um, and I was like, why not? I mean, I love American artisan cheese. 
Um, and I think it would be great for Brazilians to learn about American cheese, right? Like we think that American cheese is processed dairy food, right? And, and it's not. There's a lot more to it. And, you know, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I reached out to a few cheesemakers. Um, it was hard to choose, but I had to choose a few. Um, and so I reached out to them. I reached out to um, Jasper Hill, Roe Crimery, um, Cypress Grove, um, Firefly Farms, and Murray's Cheese. Um, and all of them were incredible. They're like, yes, let's do it. You know, like, let's, you know, spread the word on American cheese. And um, I mean, they're all incredible, like so amazing. They all sent cheeses to me. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to bring Jasper Hill's cheese because it didn't make it on, uh, didn't make it on time. Um, but I got Rogue River Blue, I got Stocking Hall, I got Cave Dweller, and I got um, Humble Fog. So incredible cheeses only, right? Um, and so I, I brought these cheeses with me. Um, the Secretary of Agriculture authorized me to do that. So they sent me um, <laughs> uh, some sort of passport, <laughs> which was kind of funny. I felt like I was bringing my puppies with me. Um, and so the cheeses came with me. They arrived, you know, safely. Um, and then Vanessa Alcalia, who is the cheese the, the cheesemaker of Pajinho uh, Artesanal, she took care of the whole, you know, thing. Like the minute I arrived, she she sent someone someone there to pick me up. Um, you know, kept the cheeses safe until the day the day of the event. And so and so on the day of the event, um, we had the competition in, in the morning. Uh, we had four American cheeses uh, in the competition, like I said. Um, two of them got a silver medal, uh, Humble Fog and Cave Dweller. Rogue River Blue got a bronze, which I thought it was very upsetting <laughs> because it's one of my favorite cheeses in the whole world. And, and I feel like the table just did not understand the complexity of it. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a competition, you know, like it's everybody treats food differently. <laughs> yeah, so I was upset, but there's nothing I could do about that. And then we had Stocking Hall, which won Super Gold, and um, it turned out winning third place in the entire competition at the end. Uh, so after that, um, I was completely thrilled with, with the awards and everything else. So after that, I had the opportunity to do the tasting. Um, and so we had about... It was supposed to be 15 people. I, at first, we were supposed to have 50, and then the, the room actually only fit 15 to 20. Um, but I think I had 25 to 30 people. It was very crowded, very, very crowded. We had a lot more than 15 people. Um, and people just went crazy for these cheeses. I mean, everybody was just like, they could not, to this day, like they still message me and, and, and tell me about the cheeses, right? Like they're so... Um, in love with the cheeses. I, they, they, they just loved everything I brought. Um, and I was very happy with that, with that feedback. I mean, when you hear from consumers, when you hear from cheesemakers and you, you hear the, you know, great things like, oh my God, I've never had a blue cheese like this in my life. This is absolutely incredible. Like, oh my God, this is what real cheddars taste like. Unbelievable. Like, and you hear all these things, right? Like goat cheese, like they were, you know, is that, I never, I've never, they were talking about the goat cheeses in a way like, you know, like they, they didn't know that that was possible to get to that, to those flavor profiles. Right. And I thought that that was incredible. 
Um, Georgina and Jess were also teaching a class. Uh, they taught the same class the next day. So I taught my class one day. John, and then, just for the people that yeah. don't know, because you're referring to these two people, Georgina is Georgina Jessica's my sister, and Jess Fernandez was my sister-in-law. They were also judging another award, cheese awards. And so, you know, this is obviously part of this international cheese culture that exists outside, you know, outside of the United States, uh, who are most of our listeners. But continue, because I, I hate, you know, that we just drop names and then people don't know who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But thank you for doing that. Like you're the you're the podcast, you know, guy here. Like I, yeah. Sometimes I just talk like I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm you're, you know, we're just talking at a, at a bar, or restaurant, whatever. Um, but yeah, and so Jess and Georgina taught the next day, and then Jason Hines from New Star Dairy also taught a class, and I was invited to be his translator. So like a lot of these like great things happened at at this event, but to be able to represent American cheesemakers and get people passionate about American cheese uh, was such an honor. It was just a highlight of my career, I can say. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. That, that's that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that enthusiasm and 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 that love for for American cheese. I think they're they're amazing cheeses that you brought, and it says a lot about um, you know what happens that you know you take cheeses from the United States, bring them to another part of the world, and you know. The Brazilian judges, maybe they have never seen a cheddar before. And so that's why they mm -hmm. love the Morris cheese as opposed to the funky blue cheese from Rogue. I think it's great. I think that 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 tells us, you know, how uh, palettes are so different around the world and, mm -hmm. and not something is going to be good everywhere for everyone. Um, now, let's move into talking about Brazil. Um, as people know, I love Sao Paulo mostly for its art scene. Uh, I've been many times <laughs> and I have a lot of friends in the cheese industry, but I, we're not here to talk about myself. We're here to talk to you. And so why don't you tell us what you saw this time around, what you think is happening uh, at the moment? Uh, we are having we're recording this podcast on a Friday. The elections are happening tomorrow in Brazil. We're all hoping that it will go uh, for uh, Lula, but you know <laughs> we we can only hope. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead and tell us about Brazil. <laughs> okay. Thank you for saying that. Yes, uh, um, there's so much I can I can talk about. You know, I, we could spend a whole day and more talking about Brazilian cheese. There's just so much. It's so exciting what's happening down there. Um, and I can I can tell you like a few things. I mean, I I actually had to write about this so that I could you know sum it up as much as I potentially could. So. Um, a lot has happened in, in the past 20 years, but we believe that cheese has been made in Brazil as early as late 1600s when the first Portuguese arrived. Um, cheeses like Cejo and Canastra, uh, both from the state of Minas Gerais, the state that I was uh, born and grew up, uh, were highly inspired by Portuguese recipes. And uh, they've, they've both been made for over 200 years. More recently, as the state of Sao Paulo has witnessed what they call the cheese revolution, or what I like to call the cheese renaissance. You can play Beyonce in the back if you want. <laughs> you see a lot of new producers uh, leaving the city to start a new life in the countryside and get inspired by French, Italian, and British recipes. In addition to that, names like Fernando Oliveira, Bruno Cabral, Falco Bonfagini, 
And so many other chefs and cheesemongers have helped to bring all these high-quality farmstead cheeses to the consumer's tables. So now a lot more people are consuming and learning about Brazilian cheeses. Now, how is it going to be like in the next five years, you may ask, right? I've just had this conversation with Jason Hines uh, at the Mundial do, do, do Queijo uh, two weeks ago. Um, and when you walk into a grocery store in Sao Paulo, you find all these processed dairy products. You find mass-produced cheeses and high-quality farmstead cheeses all sharing the same shelf. And they all cost pretty much the same. So I think we have a problem. Do grocery stores, owners not know the difference uh, in value between those three? Do consumers not know the difference between them? How much value do we give to artisan cheese and how do we change that? So I think we can all agree that the conversation needs to start now uh, so that you know things can look a lot different in five years. Another thing that I noticed in Brazil is as we speak, there are dozens of cheesemongers working behind the counter that we do not know about. People who are competing in competition, people who are not competing in competitions, I'm sorry, uh, people who are not on social media, people who are not traveling the world or even being compensated fairly and yet are keeping the industry alive. Who are these people? Who are these mongers, right? How are they doing? Do they have the proper tools to work like wires, knives, gloves, hats? Are they feeling safe at work? How is their commute, their daily commute? Are they getting benefits at their jobs? And what is the next step for them? Is there a next step for them? So I think that the answer to all, uh, to, to, to the question, like, how is it going to be? What, what, you know, what cheese in Brazil is going to look like in the next years? Um, really depends on, the answer to that really depends on how the cheese community in Brazil responds to some of these issues. Um, I feel like we need to bring them up. Um, and we need to start addressing them right away. Um, and I've been taking every opportunity, including this one, <laughs> uh, to do this, to speak up and to talk about, you know, all these things that are happening and, and people are not talking about. I'm so happy that you have mentioned all of these things. I can agree with you more that there are so many cheesemongers out there in Brazil who are doing absolutely fantastic work and they're just not mm -hmm. seen and maybe not even being compensated. And like you said, many of them are not feeling very safe in their in their positions. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's important. That will be a big part of this transition into five years. I'm also very happy that you have mentioned very good friends of mine, Bruno Cabral and Falco Bofandini, uh, who have transformed Brazilian cheese scene in um, in the country and abroad now. Uh, and I'm happy that you are now involved, as well as everyone else that was at the Mundial. Um, we are mm -hmm. almost running out of time. So let me just <laughs> ask you the last question. Um, and you can take as much as you want, but it may just be an easy answer. Do you think we will see Brazilian cheese in the U.S. or Europe soon? Oof, that's a tough question. People ask me this so much, and I'm, it's hard to say. Um, I know some cheesemakers who have tried to bring cheeses to the U.S., but the FDA has made it a little bit more challenging, obviously, um, as they should, too. Like, it's, you know, they're probably doing the right thing. I don't know. I don't work uh, for the FDA. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Listeners know I cannot, I cannot, the FDA. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But... For them, it's very challenging. There are things that they're asking. There's just, there's, there's just too challenging for them to accomplish at the moment. Hopefully, they will be able to accomplish those 
things in the near future, and we'll be able to see Brazilian cheeses in the U.S. As for Europe, um, I mean, it's very hard to bring cheeses to Europe because they also make great cheeses, just like here in the U.S. It's it's really complicated to do that, right? Like, you have so many American artisan cheeses being made here. How can you compete with them? You have so many incredible cheeses being made in Europe. How can you compete with them? Um, it's just really hard. But, I mean, I do see some cheesemakers sending cheeses. We have very unique cheeses. We have cheeses being made with um, ants. We have cheeses, uh, you know, being made with different types of rennets from different animals. We have different rinds. And, and now we're finding different molds. And there's just so much happening there. It's a, there's a completely different, you know, um, um, microbiology there, like, right? Like everything that's, that is growing there is different. So I don't see why not, you know, like why we wouldn't want to have Brazilian cheeses in other countries. Um, but it's just, we need to um, learn and, 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 and see what the government's, you know, requirements are. Like we need to be up to that um, in order to be able to export cheeses. Uh, so I think that that's going to take a little while. Yeah, I think so too. Unfortunately, yeah. because there's amazing cheeses in Brazil. And if you listeners have the time, go and taste some in Brazil before yeah. many of them actually will disappear uh, because cheese everywhere in the world is disappearing. John, I want to mm -hmm. thank you for your time today and for your thoughtful thinking and everything that you do in our industry. I'm so happy that you are part of this industry. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me again. This was incredible. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. This was a different type of show, one that I have been planning for months. I did the original interview with Senor Tiao at the top of the show in May and had been thinking of how to bring his voice to life. I want to make more shows like this with recordings on the field, but before that, I had to buy a better equipment than my old phone. So if you can, please donate to the Heritage Radio Network so you can help with that. You can do that by going to their website. Don't forget to follow Cutting the Curd on social media. Until next time, thank you. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.